Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, helping behaviorally challenging students airs every Monday, September through May, during the school year at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And all of these programs are, of course, archived in the listening library on the Lives in the Balance website. Topic for the day, well, before we get to the topic of the day, I want to remind you that um, the Lives in the Balance annual conference, or as it is known, the third annual summit, international summit, on non-punitive, non-adversarial interventions for at-risk kids. You probably know about this already, but it's on November 8th here in Portland, Maine, a full day of inspiration, galvanizing, and information. And not just on my model of collaborative and proactive solutions, but on lots of other models that fit under that tent of non-adversarial, non-punitive, collaborative, proactive, skill-building relationship-enhancing interventions. Restorative justice will be represented and doing a breakout group. So will nonviolent communication, positive parenting, conscious discipline, social thinking, and numerous others. Keynote speaker for the day, Robin Peters Bennett from the National Alliance, U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children. Um, I hope you can make it. It's priced right. You're only paying for your food, $49. Lives in the Balance does not make money on the conference. In fact, we spend money on the conference, but it is our pleasure to get the models that are under that tent together for a day every year and to help people who attend the conference, participants, know what to do when they get back to their communities to advocate for non-punitive, non-adversarial, collaborative, proactive interventions so that we can stop losing kids and start saving more of them. Um, I hope you can make it. The registration is now live on the Lives in the Balance website in the uh, 2013 Summit section. 
and um, be great to have you there. Now, got a special treat for you today. You know, often on this program, we have, especially on the uh, educators panel, which is next week, um, where we have our experienced hands call in and participate in the program and tell us how things are going with the model in their buildings. Um, any minute, we will be receiving a call from Lisa, who is, I can't remember her exact role, guidance counselor or school psychologist, um, at a high school in Maine that is at the precipice of beginning their work on implementing collaborative and proactive solutions in their building. Some of the basics before Lisa calls in. Uh, many schools need to just get the ball rolling by orienting staff to the fact that something needs to change for the behaviorally challenging students in the building. Sometimes that's data that convinces them. Sometimes it's heart that convinces them. Sometimes you're just letting them know what they knew all along. We're losing a lot of kids here, and we got to do better, and there are ways to do better. In some buildings, no, this is not a pitch for book sales. If you know me well, you know I'm not very book sale-oriented. But some buildings get the ball rolling by having the staff read Lost at School. Other schools present data, but all schools, and Lisa has now called in, so we're going to be hooking her into the program in a moment. Um, all schools start with a core group of people, a cadre of people who are going to be getting good at the model first. Unless you're in a very small school, it is very hard to get this all rolling in one fell swoop with the entire building because everybody's trying to get good at it at once, which means that no one is getting the supervision and training they need to get good at it. And that actually tends to backfire in the enthusiasm department and in the getting the ball rolling department as well. You start with a core group. They're getting good at using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems first. They're then moving on to trying out the use of Plan B and trying to get good at Plan B and recording their efforts at Plan B and giving each other feedback on how it's going. Now, Lisa's school is fortunate. They're going to be in a project where they're going to be getting supervision from some members of my team and because they're in Maine with occasional visits from me to help get the ball rolling. But there's lots of other buildings out there that have done it without me and my colleagues. So you don't want but to let that be a showstopper. But now I invited Lisa onto the program. Lisa, how are you today? Hi, Ross. I'm well. How are you? I am doing well, and I appreciate you calling in. Um, your school is about to get 
rolling with collaborative and proactive solutions, yes? Yes, we are. We're very enthusiastic we, as well. <laughs> and as I was saying before you came on, I'm I'm delighted for the enthusiasm. Um, you know, with education being in the condition it's in these days, excitement over a new initiative is not necessarily a common thing, but um so good good for you and your building for being excited. Um well, the good news is it's the beginning of the school year. If this were the end of the school year, um, a better chance for people to have already been tapped out. But what prompted your high school's interest in getting good at this model and implementing it in your building? Well, um, I, I think um, there's a lot of people who, not that different, you know, behaviors are what people would call enormous problem in the school because I think when people think of behavior, they tend to think of the more extreme behaviors. Um, and certainly we've had those as well, just like any school. But, um, you know, behaviors like missing school or, you know, in attendance or, or those sorts of things. And I know there's been frustration over that. Um, I've been kind of pushing for your model for a long, long time. Um, school-wide. Uh, I, I am a special education teacher, and, and uh, my my official title of my program is for students with emotional and behavioral disabilities, although like you, I don't really like the, the labels. By the time the kids get to me in high school, their unsolved problems, their lagging skills have, you know, really not been addressed <laughs> for a long time. So while it's a great program, I think, and it's been... Um, up and running for 12 years. I've really wanted the whole school to embrace your model, Ross. And I just think we were at the right moment at the right time with administration change and um, a lot of new teachers who seem very intrigued and excited by it. This is as cool as it gets. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about the administration change um, and how that played into this being a good time? I think it started, first of all, to to be honest, with um, we we had um, a change in special ed director, and I know this isn't a special ed thing, but it kind of leads me to you, um, who I think intuitively I was sort of using a Ross Green-esque model in my program. <laughs> and then however many years ago that she took me to my first conference with you, I believe I've been to five, um, I, it was so affirming. I just sat there with my jaw oh, <laughs> dropped and went, oh, yes. Um, so she kind of led us there. And she at that time was the assistant director. She has, this is, I believe, her second or third year to be the director herself. Um, and then we also had a change at the high school this year. We have a new assistant principal. He's come to us from out west, um, actually, in Aspen. And his background actually is he's been a, a counselor and, and um, um, also obviously the the administrative thing. But I just feel like there's um, a very willingness and openness to um, learning something new that essentially is elegantly simple. That's what I keep trying to tell people. It's elegantly simple, though not easy. Um, so I guess the time, it was just a time. I feel like, God, seven years in, finally it's happening. And um, it just it just seems like it's the right time. 
Excellent. And, you know, it's interesting. One of our educator panel members, uh, Tom Ambrose, who is the principal at Morse Street School in Freeport, Maine, has a counseling background as well. And it's interesting. He uh, doesn't take an especially administrative approach to behaviorally challenging students. He takes more of a counseling approach to behaviorally challenging students. And for him, uh, this model made perfect sense almost instantaneously. That's always easier. It's not necessarily the only way to get this ball rolling because certainly there are many school administrators who don't have a counseling background who take to it pretty quickly too. Um, but it does seem to help. What um, What percentage... Does your school have frequent flyers, kids who seem to be the ones sitting outside the assistant principal's office fairly routinely? Um, And do you have a ballpark estimate of, well, first of all, you'll have to tell us how many kids are in your building, and then we can do the the, uh, percentage ourselves. Do you have frequent flyers in your building? Um, I I think we'd have to say absolutely, and I also think, Ross, that it goes up and down with different years, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. or even with, you know, different four years altogether. Um, A lot of those frequent flyers that I think York High School sees, um, if I understand correctly from our former assistant principal who I worked really closely with, a lot of that was, um, you know, Tardies and absences. Um, there seems that that seems to be a chronic problem. Sometimes not coming to school or coming to school late. Um, some of it might have been disciplinary, involving some some use of some substances. Um, and then there's certainly the kids in my program would certainly probably in another building that would probably be the case, but because that's not the way we've ever done it at, at York um, with the last um, administration either, that um, the deal is that they have free pass when something's up to come to the Manta program, and then we try to work out and figure out what's up. The hard part about that is it's one thing for me to work things out in my program, but without having all the staff on board if that frequent flyer is out in the commons or you know the lunchroom and something happens and a staff member who maybe you know doesn't use such a CPS approach um things can escalate incredibly quickly and and those kids sometimes I've lost over the years just it, it got out of my hands because the behaviors were too big in those areas if that makes sense it does. What does what does lost mean? Um, because there's a good reason I called the book Lost at School. I, I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about, but what do you mean lose? I mean that I lose them and they're not in the district um, and in a more restrictive setting, um, mm-hmm. a lot of those, those students. Um, and I think that you know, not blaming anyone, I think it gets very difficult if someone's behavior goes from zero to 60 in um, an unstructured setting. And uh, if, you know, there's a new teacher or if there's a substitute teacher who doesn't know that, you know, not doing certain things is, I mean, doing certain things is probably not going to be a good idea at that moment because obviously that's the heat um, and you're not going to solve any problems then. But Unfortunately, those kind of huge behaviors that um, I guess make people feel uh, unsafe, understandably, make them feel unsafe. Those are, 
Whereas I think if we become a CPS school, we're going to have more ability school-wide, hopefully, you know, ultimately everybody, although Bob Stevens, our principal, has also wanted to say we're proceeding cautiously but enthusiastically. <laughs> so that's Bob. But, um, you know, there will be others in the building who um, are able to, you know, be Ross Green-esque and, and hopefully de-escalate in that moment and also solve the problem ahead of time so that, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. That's the goal, of course. Um, and, you know, yep. students who we lose cost their homeschool system an enormous amount of money. So much means money. That, that costs the state of Maine money. Um, I guess from where you sit, knowing what you know about the model, I don't want to put you in an awkward position here, but I know many schools that are, so I'll put it a different way, I know many schools in the project who feel already, who've been doing the model for quite some time now and have become proficient at it, who point to specific kids and say, if we hadn't been using the model, that kid would not be in our building right now. But we were able to keep him in. We saved a kid because we're using the model, and a kid who previously would have blown out is still here and thriving I'm suspecting you must look in the rearview mirror a bit at some of the kids you feel didn't have to be out but were out because um, we couldn't quite meet their needs using a more traditional model. Well, without <laughs> throwing anybody under any buses, yes, I, I, I have so much um, sorrow for kids that I, I I can say certainly I fought for, and I understand that you know the school works a certain way. I respect that, um, but it was frustrating at the time knowing that if only if only we could have figured out you know it, what the lagging skills, the unsolved problems, but to figure it out in the larger venues. That's usually where the kids that I see and who are the frequent frequent flyers. Are, are bombing out because it's in those places where they can't meet the expectation because the expectation is the very thing that they're working on. You know what I mean? Totally. And, of course, you said the key word. I mean, you described a scenario in which the kids would be sent to you, but then you are in the fire extinguishing business, not the solving problems proactively and collaboratively business. And one of, of course, our greatest aspirations for your high school is that we can take all of the things that are presently being handled emergently, and of course, emergently also increases the likelihood that a school will use plan A and be unilateral oh, yeah. in its intervention. Um, I find that you want to sniff out plan A, it's frequently in the heat of the moment when adults feel like they must do something decisive. Um, that's a very hard time to do plan B. It can be done under emergent circumstances. It's just much harder circumstances in which to do anything because, as you know, there's added heat, added rush. Um, people feel very pressured to be decisive and Plan A feels more decisive to them than Plan B. Our mm -hmm. goal, and we're going to talk about how we're going to do it in a minute, how we're going to organize it, um, because this 
program is going to be used to help other buildings that are just thinking about getting started, think about what they might want it to look like. So we're going to talk about what we want it to look like in a moment and what your core group is comprised of. Um, But one of the biggest goals is not only to help people start solving problems collaboratively in your building, but to take almost everything that's being done emergently now and transform it into the proactive and and just um, to speak for the Manta program, Ross, that that actually is the work I'm doing day to day on every be, you know on a daily basis is the proactive stuff. I'd like to think I make a small dent <laughs> in in you know solving some problems in there. But um, you know if everybody's not on board and the issue with Johnny is with a, a specific problem with a certain teacher, I mean I can use you know, mediation and that sort of thing to try to sit down. But without the embrace of understanding that new lens piece of it, which is, I think, where we would see the greatest advances with people understanding, it's not that they're trying to bug you. It's not that they wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to really make everybody incredibly angry today. That'll be great. I don't, that's not what they're up to. And, and hopefully, um, I'm just so anxious for more staff members to be able to try on those new lenses of yours and understand where some of the stuff's coming from. So let's talk a little bit about, um, and I I visited your building, I think, I can't remember when, but I think it was last week, maybe the week before, just to make sure, as we do in this research project, that the people who are going to be in your core group are ready for what's coming and not to make that sound ominous or onerous, but we want to make sure that people know um, there's going to be, you got to do it to get good at it, and here's what practicing it and doing it so that you can get good at it looks like. But that aside, how did your core group members get picked? How did you all do that in your building? Um, well, uh, last summer when I when uh, we got word from you that maybe we could participate in your in your um group uh and we sat down with you on the phone and it was my principal my assistant principal and my special ed director um after that phone call with you Ross we we started already kind of jamming on how you know who might be good picks again not to just get people who are going to sing in the choir but also people who might be on the fence who might you know um, also strong people in the building in terms of their connection with other staff members. I have to say I was greedily <laughs> looking at things like that to, um, in terms of it impacting people later and while we were doing it. And also trying to get sort of a little bit of a balance, which was coming a little bit up from um, Bob and Jeff, our principal and assistant principal, to have kind of a balance of male and female. We don't have a balance right now of that. Um, I'm not really sure why, because the balance in the building in a high school, I think it's fairly even. We seem to have as many men as women. So that's kind of where we started. Special ed jumped up. You're imbalanced in the direction of women, yes. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> well, I came to the meeting, but um, I yes. just wanted to make sure that that was clear, too. And yes. so before you keep going, is that a concern of yours, that um, we may be missing men and that 
members of the male persuasion may, and I don't think this is necessarily true, have some greater inclination toward plan A, or are you not too worried about that? Personally, I'm not sure, Ross. Um, it is a concern of Bob Stevens and Jeff Kron's assistant and, uh, and, and principal. Um, and, and I... I sort of, I I guess I kind of get it because maybe schools, maybe high schools have, I don't know, if you you do the kind of stereotypical thing, you can think of it as being like, oh, we keep order and we have the males in the building who, you know, there's 500 and some of you and there's only 80 of us. So, but I, I don't know that I feel strongly. I really felt like oh, I'm so happy that we have this group of people. I mean, right now I believe I'm up to 16 who are very jazzed and willing to learn and very open. And my feeling was let's just go with it. Let's go with who we've got, who's on board. And and we've got a group of some pretty dynamic people who I know will be supportive and help spread it out to others in the building. Now, just one little side note. Um in some buildings, and it doesn't. This is not crucial, but sometimes leaders in buildings say to me, "Who should be in our core group?" And I will sometimes recommend. I'll often make them recommendation, although it's not a deal breaker if they don't do it, that they have people in the core group who are likely to be less enthusiastic about the model at first blush, but are leaders in the building and. Um, can be roped in to try to change things for the better for behaviorally challenging kids, even if they are not especially dialed in to this model just yet. In your folks who are wanting to participate in this early on, do you, is, is it universally people who are receptive to it, or do you have a few folks who are skeptical um, but are willing to be brave and do something new. I'm just looking at the the list, Ross, and I right off the bat Don't there are names. at least no, no, I won't. Oh, oh believe me, I won't. <laughs> no, I, I'm looking at three to four that I know may not, uh, you know, entirely embrace it. Um, I admire I admire their um, willingness to to try to to try it. That's you know and and definitely not everybody I don't even know if everyone fully understands it to be honest Ross because I'm not sure you know in spite of helping them out to some links and putting some videos on and you know trying to sell it I'm not sure how many people have actually watched yet I know that they will um now that they've said yes um so there's the enthusiastic ones and then there's definitely some fence sitters I would say cool because um we don't want it to be a love fest because then absolutely people who then all we're hearing input from is people who are naturally inclined to do things this way already and then we don't get the folks and the input from the folks who may be representing a meaningful constituency in the building of people who are skeptical and what their concerns are. And we really do like to get all of that sorted out in the core group discussions. The goal, of course, is to have core group members not only become proficient at the two crucial facets of the model that they've got to get good at, using the assessment of 
lagging skills and unsolved problems, and that is very hard, and getting good at solving problems collaboratively, and that is very hard. Um, What's your biggest, and by the way, we may end up having a little extra time here. My bet is that you and I could chat for a very long time um, here, but I want to give anybody who's listening the opportunity to call in and ask you questions, if you wouldn't mind that. Um, So I'm just going to give the call-in number. The likelihood is that we won't get calls, but it's 646-727-2691, just in case people want to call in and ask you questions that are, um, you know, questions I'm not asking about how you got the ball rolling in your building. Let me ask you this. um, What's your biggest worry about doing this? I think I have long-term worries that that I'm getting from, um, you know, our principal has been principal at York High for, oh golly, over 30 years, and and I have great respect for him, and he really knows the town and its people. I don't live in the town at the moment, although my two children did go through York High School. Um, I, I think there's some concern that he's expressed, and I'm understanding it, about having our school board get on board ultimately, which is not really necessary what I understand from you right now. So I'm trying to take that and put it aside for now. But I know that's a little bit in the background. And then I guess the other concern is it, you probably just said it uh, in terms of the people who are on board and maybe that is what um, Mr. Kranz and Mr. Stevens were trying to encourage me in terms of it's coming out sounding male, but I think it's more about those classroom teachers that I really want to garner who who probably would not be so much inclined toward this. And I, I, I am concerned ultimately. I hope we can convince them. I feel I'm a very positive person about this model because I know it works. Um, So I feel very good about that. And then, um, you know, just the specifics of us all learning it. I guess one of the things I know that high school teachers and adults are very good at um, not giving space so that kids can have the time to talk. And I think that's just something we're going to learn as we go along. But um, I think we're so good at solving problems by ourselves and, uh, you know, theorizing and hypothesizing. So I think we'll all have to learn how to be careful to give space to the to the students so that they can let us know what's really up. I have um, some folks right now who've just begun the uh, certification training that I do every September. And, um, of course, we're starting the way we always do with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And, boy, are they having, some of them, difficulty with the avoiding of unsolved problems and keeping theories and behaviors out and splitting and not clumping. Um, It has been very difficult for some of them. And here's the good news. The things that they're having difficulty with are things that most people have difficulty with, so it's not tragic or catastrophic, the things that they're having trouble with. But um, it can be very frustrating early on to help people move from what they usually talk about, behavior, theories especially, as you mentioned, to specific unsolved problems. And, of course, the point I always make is that 
if what we're focused on is our theories, we're not going to help anybody. And we're certainly not going to solve any problems because we don't know what the problems are yet. If we're focused on behaviors, which is like classic, like standard, it's what people talk about, um, and we never move on to the unsolved problems that are setting those behaviors in motion, we're not going to solve those problems. We're not going to help people. So a huge part of this, uh, here's what I think about your the school board. If you all can show results and show, as many of our schools have, reductions in discipline referrals, reductions in detentions, reductions in suspensions, and show that y'all aren't really seeing your frequent flyers, former frequent flyers, in the office very often anymore because the problems are being solved by the people who the kid is having the difficulty with, I suspect people will come on board. But let there be no doubt, it's hard. Right. Um, Now, you said you've been to... Go ahead. I was just going to say, by the time those frequent flyers sometimes get into the high school as well, I think, and you pointed out often in your conferences and in your book, Ross, that by that time, there's kind of such a beating down in terms of school that those children are going to take a much longer time to even believe and even buy that the adult talking to them sincerely wants to dig deeper and figure out what is really getting in his way because they are just so accustomed to not being heard at school. By the time they reach high school, that's my little, there's a theory. I just threw a theory out. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, um, it may be a theory born of experience and seeing the effect. I mean, the, the neat part about what I get to spend my waking moments doing is I work with behaviorally challenging kids across the developmental and age spectrum and across the spectrum of settings, families, schools, inpatient units, residential facilities, prisons. And um, this is this is not a theory. They have said it. Um, why should I talk to you? You're going to be just like the dozens of other people who yeah. didn't listen. And even if you did listen, you're still going to tell me what to do at the end. So that's yeah, the cool part is that's not theory. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, you've said that you've been to numerous conferences on the model. Want to mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your own personal progression uh, with the model um, and what, what, where you started and where you're at now and what you struggled with along the way? Um, well, I I started as an ed tech and special ed, I think, um, almost 13 years ago, and I did start at York High School. <laughs> I'm actually trained as a professional actor. It's what I've spent my life doing. It's what all my degrees are in. <laughs> I guess I could say I've been studying behavior my entire life because that's what you study. The very first day I came to York, they, they hadn't quite created the program that we ended up calling Manta. Um, but my, my now director at the time, they were trying to decide what to do with me. They had to hire me mid-year because someone left. And they were sort of talking, and it was funny. We, we laugh about it now. It's a very tight special education program at, at York. It's a great group of people. Um, and they were kind of saying, well, we could put Lisa with 
so-and-so and so-and-so, and, and then there was kind of this feeling of like, oh, we can't do that to her. And and I said, I'll, whatever, I'll, I don't mind. So I ended up with, you know, the kids that were the most difficult, most challenging kids, I guess, and I loved them. I fell in love right away. So I w- began as an ed tech um, with my director, um, and then um, worked with another um, wonderful special education te- teacher, and we created this program called Manta f- um, for these students. And he did leave, and I ended up going back to school. <laughs> I really didn't want to go back to school at 50-something, but I did, and um, and became a teacher in the program and realized that the way that I worked with kids, developing relationship and stuff, was um, when I went to see you the first time, and I don't remember when that was, but I think you were at Marshwood High School, and I want to say it's at least five or six years ago, and maybe seven, I forget. And again, it was. I have just, no idea, that's for sure. But keep going. It was so it was so affirming because, I mean, obviously, I can't say I was using Ross Green's model, but intuitively, I feel I was trying to find out what the issue is. And so to read Lost at School, to read The Explosive Child, to feel like, oh, my gosh, what I what I want to do to help kids is is a real thing. <laughs> it really does work. So um, that's kind of, an, and I just continued to go to your trainings just to get hone the skill and get better at it, but also understanding that without, my whole school on board, or at least some of the school on board, um, some of the most horrible events that have led to a student going into a more restrictive placement happened, and I'm not saying this like I'm so great, but it happened when I was either out ill with pneumonia or whatever, and things went badly um, because that those students weren't able to communicate with somebody else in the building um, about what the issue was. And so, you know, their behaviors tend to be rather dramatic once they get to my program, and they tend to be things that make people feel unsafe. So I've just embraced it. Um, I encourage all my friends with children to read Lost at School. Um, I'm just a huge fan. Um, And so this summer, when I went to the advanced training and walked up to you and said, I I wish we could have this at the whole of York High School. And you said, oh, give me an email. I thought, oh, my gosh, could it finally be happening? So that's kind of where where I've been with it. Um, Certainly people at school who look at my website and have heard me talk and blah, 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 they all have heard Ross Green ad nauseum for years and years. But um, it's, it's one thing to be doing it in one program and a whole other thing to say that as a school we are embracing this and we understand that we have to look at kids who have challenging behaviors with different lenses. You just said something that somebody listening to this program and learning about um, this for the first time might get a little concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do, uh, would we know you in any movies that we should know about? <laughs> well, there's an award-winning movie called Dog Days. That um, It's a short film by Ellie Lee. Won a lot of awards around the world. But unfortunately, if you Googled my name, yes, you would find a stupid movie. It's the first thing I ever did. But most of my work is in Portland, Maine, actually, on the stage. That's my first love. But, yes, I, I can't. I cannot deny there's there's a very famous movie that I had, like, a few lines in. Still get money cool. from every now and then. Well, not everybody <laughs> can say that. 
Not everybody can say that. So, um, quick question. You, you said that if you're out and one of your very behaviorally challenging students who's doing well with you has to deal with somebody else, there's an, a good likelihood that it will head south. One of the questions Not I always. get... always. Got it. One of the questions that I get frequently, though, is, aren't you putting a kid in a Plan B bubble? How is he going to make it in the real world if, even though he's doing well with Plan B, he's going to have to deal with Plan A at some point? I'm curious about what you might say to somebody along those lines and um, what your experience has been with kids who you helped with Plan B. Um, and how they did in the real world. Well, I think I'd say to people that, and I know that you you would say this, but I think what happens is by using Plan B, the, the problems a lot of the time become very durably solved and the, the student begins to develop those skills that he's missing or he she's missing so that in another scenario, they're able to employ those skills that maybe weren't so well honed before. And it's because someone has recognized that they did have an issue, they were having a problem surmounting that because that doesn't come in, you know, easily to them. And so I feel like I, I can't believe the kids who have gone through the Manta program. It's, it's mostly so heartwarming. I've have, I'm of one of the very fortunate people of kids who call me from all over the place, and I'm very lucky that they stay in touch, a lot of them. And they're mostly success stories, um, and I'm certainly not taking credit. I just think that eventually when kids recognize that somebody is listening to them and that somebody has empathy and wants to figure out, help me out here, bud, Give me something. I, I I want to make this better for you, but I got to have you talk because otherwise I don't I don't I don't know what's wrong. And and once they recognize that after maybe after years of having nobody really speak that way to them, maybe not even, you know. I know that one of the things I also love about when I listen to you talk and when I read your book, we can't solve so much of what's heartbreaking in kids' lives. And I sure as heck see a lot of things that are just heartbreaking, but I can't do anything about them. I can't do anything about, you know, dad beating you up. I can't do anything. Well, I mean, I probably do some calls, but whatever. I can't go home and change dad Um, or, you know, bad luck story stuff. But, you know, you can empower kids by letting them know that they have the power to respond differently to their environment. And I think that's part of what your model does is it helps kids over time develop those, I call it, you know, just building that muscle of being able to, you know, have a new skill. And and I think that they get generalized a lot of the time. Maybe not always, but I do think they do. Um, you may not, you may have some regrets, I don't know if you do or not, about stardom in the acting field. I don't know if you have regrets or not. It's a very tough field to be a oh, star no. in. Um, no, I don't, I'm not into the star system, Ross. So, no, I Got don't it. have, I am such a lucky actor. I've, I've been very, very lucky in my life. <laughs> no, and I've made my I choice of where I wanted to be. I think you are going to be an absolute star at helping your school do this model. And I and my <laughs> colleagues are 
looking forward to helping you and giving you an Academy Award when the day comes. <laughs> well, we're we're really excited. I I, I think you have a, a very dynamic group of of people on board at York. We're looking forward to working with you. Thank you, Ross. On on that note, thank you so much for joining in today. Um, I know you're a bit under the weather, as are many people in our neck of the woods these days due to some bug that's going around, but um, that's having people uh, feeling not particularly great for about um, three days. But thank you so much for being on today, and um, we really are looking forward to working with you and making it happen at York High School. Thank you so much, Ross, and good luck with everything. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, um, boy... You're not going to hear many people who are as enthusiastic about working with behaviorally challenging kids and changing things for the better for them than you just heard. But I do hope this program has been helpful to those of you who are thinking about getting started. And I want to thank Lisa again for uh, joining in with us. That's going to do it for us today. Don't forget the educators panel is next week. And um, I hope you'll listen in then. Take care. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.